uh, being a long weekend, lots of people are enjoying the sun and um, bless them. But it's nice to uh, have you with us today. Um, we, uh, during the break, um, it's been a real joy to be able to, uh, this is, I've been lucky, this is the third week in a row I've got to preach. And uh, I know for some of you are probably thinking, where's Mon? Because Chappie Mon was meant to be on today, but uh, she, poor thing, she double booked herself. So uh, I had a few days to prep. So if I get a little bit loose, just sort of go, come on, buddy, that's enough. Uh, but uh, Jeff, welcome back. I'm going to guess the cape was worth it. It was worth it. Excellent. We were the first of the crew back. Welcome back. And um, also, I, I, I hope I'm not going to get into trouble, but I uh, know Esther's with us today. And uh, we, we certainly um, want to congratulate you, Esther. I love the fact that we're... Oh, there you are. All I can see was the light. Um, Esther, it's, it's wonderful that uh, you've been picked up. Uh, you know, I was reading the record, which some of you may remember in your history. I was reading the record and, on how they're actually trying to encourage more ladies into ministry, and praise God for that. But uh, Esther, congratulations on your, on your call. And uh, hopefully I'm allowed to tell people where you're off to, but uh, if uh, any of you have a granny flat in Noosa... Um, She's looking, <laughs> it's really hard to find accommodation up there for under about $4 million a week. But uh, Esther, congratulations, you're going to be our new chaplain up there. And uh, I know I spoke to mum this morning, it's, wow, what, a, what an absolute blessing that is. Congratulations. Well, this morning uh, I would like to open up some scripture. If you've got your phone or your, or your, uh, your Bible, why don't I start with phone? If you've got your Bible or your phone on your Bible, uh, grab it, Bible on your phone, uh, grab it because we're going to have a look at Joshua chapter 8, Joshua chapter 8. Now let me just give you a little bit of a brief on Joshua chapter 7 and if we looked at even earlier in that, Joshua was the general, he was the man in charge, he was the principal, he was the big dog. Once Moses had actually said, hey, I'm not allowed to go into the promised land, they get to the Jordan River Moses goes up on top of the mountain, he passes away and he's taken to heaven to be with God. Pretty cool story. And then after that, Joshua becomes the leader of a group of nomadic people of about four to coordinate a group that big. Well, that was Joshua's role. He comes to Jericho, God says, you don't need a sword, you don't need a spear, march around Jericho seven times and the walls will come a-tumbling down. It's a pretty incredible story. But because they had seen God in action, they saw this tiny city number two that they needed to defeat, a little town called Ai. And in Joshua chapter 7, we find them strategically going out to battle and they're thinking, we don't even need all our soldiers because, you know, we're a much greater force. We've just beat Jericho. Well, God beat Jericho, not them. But they forgot real quick. And and here you have them heading off to this tiny little town called Ai. Now, the population of Ai was about 12,000 people. It was a suburb. And as they get to the little town of Ai, the people from Ai, they were pretty protective of their little town. They were patriotic. They didn't wait behind their wall. They actually hijacked the Israelites. And they came out. It was the first time the Israelites had to use the sword and the spear. And all of a sudden, they turned around and ran for their lives back to the camp. 
We know in Scripture, in Joshua, chapter 7, that 36 men, 36 Israelites died in that battle. And they came back, and as each man went to his home, into his little area of the camp, they began to share how, well, God beat Jericho, but we couldn't even beat Ai. And some negative stuff started to come through the camp. And just to wrap up the context, God actually says to Joshua, the reason that you didn't win is because someone was harboring something of the flesh. And today, when we look at Joshua chapter 8, I want to challenge each one of us. There are aspects in our lives that are holding us back from truly having a good relationship with God. And, and it's not just how much time you spend on your phone or how much time you do this or you do that. It, they're actually things that are holding us back. And we call, that's what we'll be looking at in Joshua chapter 8. But just to wrap up the context, they had to draw lots. And each of the tribes drew a lot. And as the short lot came out, it, it came down to this tribe. And then the clan leaders came together. And as they took lots, it came down to one clan and eventually, God had directed them that there was a man called Achan. And Achan had been given one instruction. The Israelites were given one instruction. When you go into Jericho, do not take any of the wealth out of Jericho. Don't touch it. And Achan saw some pretty good-looking jewellery, some fairly nice-looking material. He hid it, and he brought it back, and they, they dug under their campsite, and they hid this wealth. So when the people discovered that Achan had done it, they came into his, his home and they dug up and they found these treasures that they were never meant to take. Sadly for Achan, his life was taken and his family because of their choices. And then we pick up Joshua chapter 8. Now, Ai was a little town. Against all odds, the Israelites should have defeated that town. But the AI people in, in battle number one won. There is a battle called the Battle of Agincourt. It happened in 1415 in France. And you had the English army under King Henry V, and they had 3,000 men. They were depleted, they were beaten, and they were almost annihilated as an army. But there was one thing that King Henry V had. He still had the courage to fight. And King Henry knew that the only advantage that they had was that he had men who knew how to use the longbow. These were bows that could shoot arrows further than what the French could shoot arrows. They had 3,000 men who were guns, guns with the longbow. And they thought, we need to find higher ground. So they, and they put pieces of timber into the ground and they made these makeshift uh, timber forts. And when the French came, they had over 30,000 men in their army. They had thick armour on the soldiers and they had a large cavalry. Well, they went into battle. And the English, under King Henry V, they shot their arrows and they shot them long. And as those men clumbered along in their big heavy armour and on their horses, the arrows started to pierce through their armour. And they began to fall and die on the battlefield. At the end of that day, there was not an arrow left that the English had. The English said, well, the arrows have run out. They dropped what they had. If someone had a sword or a mallet 
or a spear, they went out and they attacked. And because they'd been trudging along the French, the ground was wet and moist and it became boggy and muddy. And the English, who now didn't have armour on, but just their swords and spears and mallets, came charging down the hill and defeated the French army. That day, they estimate between six to 9,000 of the French army were actually, actually lost their lives and they took off. It is recorded in history that that battle is one of the greatest battles of an underdog defeating a much superior force. And it was exactly the same for those people in AI. They would have come home and said, they have a huge army and just a few of us have sent them packing. Have sent them packing. Chapter 8 finds that same city that they faced in chapter 7, being defeated. There is one thing that I want to tell you about the city of Ai. The city of Ai is actually translated heap of ruins. This is the ground, this is the way that the Bible describes Ai. And yet, the people of Israel are defeated by this small arboring, some sins in their lives. So today I've entitled the sermon, How to Ambush Your AI. Let us open, and I'm sure you've got your phones or your Bible ready, to Joshua chapter 8 and verses 1 and 2. And I better put on my glasses so I read the right words. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Or in the old translation, it uses the word fear not. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai, for I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town and his land. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king. But this time you may keep the plunder and livestock for yourself, set an ambush behind the town. Now let me just share you a little bit about this verse. Because this verse encourages the people of Israel who had lost the battle initially to not give up the fight. And the thing that I want to say about our own human existence is there are times where, especially when you've accepted God in your life, that you say all the old things have passed away and all of a sudden you stumble on the same thing you stumbled on before you found God. And we give up. But here... God is teaching the Israelites a really important lesson. You're not going to win every battle in this life. But I don't want you to give up. I don't want your legacy to be about the time I was defeated. Whether it was through all of those different aspects of the flesh. Each one of us here would probably rather not share those different aspects that we face and we struggle with in our own lives. We don't want to share it because we'd be embarrassed about it, we'd have shame and all sorts of other things. Or perhaps they're things from the past. Every now and then they crop up. Or perhaps they're things that you just... These two verses teach me this. Do not give up. You may not win every battle, but God gives us the same instructions he gave Joshua. Get back in the battle. Get back in the battle. In verse 1, the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, or fear not, or be discouraged. Take all your fighting men and go and attack. 
When the Lord speaks to Joshua about the death of Achan, God tells him to go. However, he tells him that things will be different this time. He assures Joshua and Israel of the victory. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 14, and I'm pretty sure it'll come up on the screen, the Bible tells us that in this battle that each one of us face, you need to be encouraged. And in Romans 6 verse 14, Paul, he writes these words, he says, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law, instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, I'm thankful that God has promised the victory in this area for his children. And it says, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you again, the Lord did not save your soul to leave you defeated and beaten by the flesh. And I want to repeat that because... I actually think one of the greatest tricks the devil actually plays in our minds and our hearts and actually causes us to create a new path and alignment that we head in is that you're not good enough and because you keep stuffing up, the path is already chosen for you and it's, and it's a path of defeat. But Joshua chapter 8 and verse 1 tells us, get up. Don't be afraid, because the victory has been assigned. The Bible also tells us that sometimes we need to wait. You see, for Achan, in the first, when the Battle of Jericho, Achan didn't listen to God's directions and he couldn't wait. When he saw that plunder in front of him, he thought, I would like some of that sort of stuff. It'd be worth a lot of money to me. That'll actually set me up into retirement. But it wasn't in God's timing. Because in the battle of Ai, God actually says to Joshua, now, when you come into Ai, whatever is left, take for yourselves. Take for yourselves. And in the battle that each one of us are in, we need to understand the fact that God's not just trying to cut our hands off. God's actually saying, there is a time that I want to bless you. And be patient. Be patient. The second part of our passage starts in verse 3, chapter 8 and verse 3. And uh, we'll read it out. And it goes to verse 17. Seems a bit long, but this is about the victory being promised. So Joshua and all the fighting men set out to attack Ai. Joshua chose 30,000 of his best warriors and sent them out at night. Could you imagine having to send out 30,000 men and to go out and hide so that no one could see you, but let alone hear you. Now, I would not have been picked in those 30,000 because I probably would have caught up with Sam and we would have had a joke on the way and we would have woken up the whole town of AI. So I wouldn't have been one of the 30,000. Maybe I could have been the ones that ran in and then ran away from this battle, but uh, it wasn't those 30,000. In verse 4, with these orders, hide in ambush close behind the town and be ready for action. When our main army attacks, the men of Ai will come out and fight us as they did before. We will run away from them. We will let them chase us until we have drawn them away from the town. For they will say, the Israelites are running away from us as they did before. Then, while we are running from them, you will jump up from your... to you. Set the town on fire as the Lord has commanded. You have your orders. 
There was the strategy in the battle. So they left and they went to the place of the ambush between Bethel and the west side of Ai. But Joshua remained among the people in the camp that night. Early the next morning, Joshua roused his men and started towards Ai, accompanied by the elders of Israel. Isn't it interesting, in this part of the passage, in the battle, you do not leave your leaders behind. The leaders were right in the middle of it right in the middle of the battle. Verse 12, uh, verse 11. All the fighting men who were with Joshua marched in front of the town, camped on the north side of Ai, with the valley between them and the town. That night, Joshua sent out 5,000 men to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai. On the west side of the town, so they stationed the main army north of the town and the ambush to the west of the town. Joshua himself spent that night in the valley. When the king of Ai saw the Israelites across the valley... He and his army hurried out early in the morning and attacked the Israelites at a place overlooking the Jordan Valley. But he didn't realise there was an ambush behind the town. Joshua and the Israelite army fled toward the wilderness as though they were badly beaten. Then all the men in the town were called out to chase after them. In this way, they were lured away from their town. There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not chase after the Israelites and the town was left wide open. Strategically, the people of Ai were defeated by their own arrogance because the battle prior that they had actually won, they thought, beauty, the same thing is going to happen again. But this time, it wasn't just Joshua's strategy, it was the strategy that God had put into Joshua. God had told him the exact detail of how they were to mount their attack against Ai. And friends, today, I want to encourage each one of us that in sinfulness, whatever you want to call it, God has also given us the strategy for victory. And it's not a strategy that's hidden, that you need to go through some sort of a Morse code. It it doesn't need it. It's clear as crystal in the Bible. You see, the Bible tells us that each one of us has been given his directions through the Word of God. The Bible. We have a close connection that we can have with our Father in Heaven through prayer. We have the opportunity to get together at church, not just because we need tithes and offerings, but because we need to get together in community. And we need to encourage each other in this walk of life. None of these things will give, sorry, none of these things will give victory in and of themselves, but we need each one to strengthen us and help us grow in the Lord. When we begin to neglect one of these essential elements, we start to find that we fail, that we actually make the wrong choices and the wrong decisions. And when I say that, I know for myself, when I fail, and I make the wrong decisions, it's usually because I've let the Word of God slip. I've let my prayer life slip. I've let my church attendance slip. I've left my fellowship with other Christians slip. Our spiritual needs can't be ignored. They can't be ignored. In verse 18 to 23... The thing that I love about this smaller passage, I won't send you to sleep in this verse, 
But in this smaller passage, it's the fact that God is the one that gives us the strength. Our strength is not found in ourselves and our stamina and our fitness. It's actually found in God. Verse 18, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Point the spear into battle. He stands there with his spear pointed towards Ai, and he's saying, Hey, I am in the battle with you. As a leader, I am in this battle with you. For I will hand the town over to you. Joshua did as he was commanded. As soon as Joshua gave this signal, all the men in ambush jumped up from their position and they poured into the town. They quickly captured it and they set it on fire. When the men of Ai looked behind them, smoke from the town was filling the sky and they had nowhere to go. For the Israelites who had fled in the direction of the wilderness now turned on their pursuers. When Joshua and all the other Israelites saw that the ambush had succeeded and that smoke was rising from the town, they turned and they attacked the men of Ai. Meanwhile, in verse 22, the Israelites who were inside the town came out and attacked the enemy from the rear. So the, the men of Ai were caught in the middle with the Israelite fighters on both sides. Israel attacked them and not a single person survived or escaped. And then it talks about the king was taken alive and then he was put down. Again, there is a lesson for us in this struggle against the battle of the flesh. The battle will not be won by our ability to say no. The battle will not be won because we're more powerful than the temptations we face. The fact is if we try to take on the spiritual battles of life, we will fail. But the Bible tells us in Philippians and I, chapter 4 and verse 13, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, as Christians, one of the things that we need to actually have in our armory is we need to make sure that we have these promises memorized. Because if you don't, you're just scrambling for things. When you're actually facing the battle of life, you're thinking to yourself, boy, on my own, I want to say no, but part of me wants to say yes. And it's usually in our carnal lives, the yes wins. Things of life to be defeated is when we actually allow God, when we actually allow God in. And we actually have those passages like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the only way we have the victory over our flesh. The thing that impresses me about the Israelite army is that they were new converts, really. They'd been in captivity, they'd spent 40 years in a desert, and this was the first time they had to put their Christianity into action, their godliness into action. And they were learning. The defeat of Ai is not a slap against the Israelite men. It's a reminder that they were human beings, just like you and me. In verse 24 to verse 26, the passage continues and said, When the Israelite Amish finished chasing and killing all the men of Ai in the open fields, they went back, finished off everyone inside. So the entire population of 12,000 died. Now, when I read this part of the passage, I was like, can I just skip it? It's not a part of the passage I really want to share. Like, it's a horrible part of the passage. But there are things in our lives that need to be not just partially eliminated, there are things in our lives that need to be completely wiped out. There are things in our lives that are actually holding us back from having a relationship with God. 
So why did Joshua, why was he given the, the directions to destroy Ai? It was because of that very same reason. The sinfulness of these people needed to be eliminated. In Romans 4 and verse 21, let me remind you that we are serving the very same God who served Israel. And that he has always been and always will be. You can count on God to keep his word. Romans 4 verse 21, Paul continues and he says this, he was fully convinced that... And the last part of my message today is that victory is preserved. When they came in, all of the livestock and all of the goods were for them to look after themselves with. And the victory was finished. And you would think, wow, let's go home and celebrate. We've got some new, uh, some new clothes. We've got some new gold. We've got some new cows and horses. But that's not how God operates. And when I read this part of the passage, whether, I'm not, whether I just didn't read the Bible properly when I grew up, but there's a section of the scripture I'd never read before. Or perhaps I needed to be reminded about because the victory was there, but the celebration of the victory blows my mind. And it's called in the scripture, the Lord's covenant is renewed. And what happens is they're 30 miles away from a very, very special place. And God sends them 30 miles, 45 Ks. Imagine walking, uh, you know, four to six million people, 35 to 45 kilometers. It's a long walk. And when they got there, they separated them into two camps. So maybe a couple of million people over here on one mountain and a couple of million people over here on another mountain and in the middle they put the religious leaders, the Levites, and Joshua and the elders of Israel. And up on this side of the valley, you had a group of people and over there a group of people. Now... I was talking to Pastor Trevor, our pastor down at Pine Rivers. When he was a young guy, he actually played for the Richmond Tigers on their reserve grade team. And I said to Trev, did you ever play at the MCG? And he said to me, four times. He said, at the time, Carlton was a pretty good team. I said, that must have been a long time ago. <laughs> no, just joking. Uh, that'd go down better in Victoria, sorry about that. And anyway... It'd be like St. George was a good team once too, that's true, a um, long time ago. But he was playing in the reserves, and there was a, when Richmond and Carlton played together at the MCG, this was before they changed the MCG, there would be 110,000 people, like just a crazy number of people. And he said in his entire AFL career in the reserve grade, he kicked nine goals. And I said, that's not a lot. And he said, well, I was a defender, I was running a long way from where I should have been. But on that day, he kicked the ball and uh, a guy who's one of the superstars for Richmond was coming back through the reserves from injury. And he kicked it to him and the guy marked it and Trevor continued to run and the guy handballed it to him and he grabbed it and he then bombed it in to where the forwards would be. I think I got that right, did I, Sam? Bombed it into the pocket? I have no idea what this game is. But anyway, he kicked it. And... And the guys were in the wrong place or Trevor found an extra hamstring. And the thing soared through and it went over the top of the forwards and then it bounced a couple of times through the middle of the goal. And this roar, Trevor said to me, I've never heard it before. 
I'm in the middle of the field, I kicked a goal, which is rare, and this huge roar went around the field because at that point in time, even with the reserve graders, there was over 70,000 um, in the MCG. Could you imagine the roar of two million people on one side on a little mountain and two million on the other side and being in the valley? And Joshua got up and the Levites got up and they started to talk about the cursings, the things that we struggle with in life, the things that allow us, that we fall over with. And he'd share it to one side and the people would roar. And then they would talk about the blessings. And they'd share the blessings with the other side. And the two million plus people would roar. And then they would turn over to this side of the crowd and talk about some of the things that they struggle with, the curses. And the people would roar. And they would talk about the blessings. And, and this went on and on. Could you imagine the incredible affirmation that was to God? Because the community came together, they had been defeated at Ai, and, they, and then they had seen God turn up. And when the people were taking that 45-kilometer walk to a very holy place, a place that Abraham had blessed, and they got up on each side of it, and they shared about their things that they were defeated in life. And it, all the people said, "That's me. I've stuffed up in those different areas." And then the blessings, the things that they had overcome, like when they had the victory at AI, and the people roared. I want to tell you, church family, that there are plenty of things in our lives that are holding us back from a relationship with God. There are heaps of things. But when you stand on that holy mount, and God is calling your name and saying, are you able to deal with the things, that, the, the curses, the things that are sinful? And you can actually stand up there with your church community, with your friends and say, yes, I have had those struggles with the flesh, but I have overcome. I'm in the battle of those things, not because I can have the victory, but because God can give me the victory. I want to tell you, that is a time to celebrate. And then when we get onto the other part of our Christian walk, to be able to stand there with our family and our friends, our mates, our community, and to be able to say, God is good. There are so many aspects of my life that I just want to say, God is good. And in front of my friends and in front of anyone here, I want to say, God is good. That is why we're here today. Because we're willing to deal with Oh, that must be time to finish. <laughs> because we're willing to deal with the fact that in our walk, we're going to have times where we're defeated. But don't be afraid. The victory is just around the corner. The victory is just around the corner. Job is one character in the Bible who I admire. He dealt with losing everything. And yet in Job 23 and verse 12, he testifies. If he could have been on that mountain, he would have been on the blessing side saying, I've been through all the curses. And this is what he says, I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. Today, friends, we will have times where we fail. 
But do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For our God is with us. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. For our God is with us. Joshua chapter 8. Incredible story. Incredible lessons that we can learn.